falling apart. I'm dying. You're, you're melting like the real witch I... of the West. <laughs> Scared podcast here with you as always eric mbb today we're talking about the 2016 film the love witch directed by anna biller before we get into that how are you bb i'm super excited to talk about this movie it's been a long time coming i always see it promoted on hulu was it hulu shutter shutter it looks fun i even was surprised it is from 2016 because of how yeah. good it is as far as like shooting it like an old style movie yeah it's very 70s style i've wanted to cover this since like last valentine's day so i'm excited it's the perfect valentine's day horror it is and i think it's a good valentine's day movie for anyone involved because sometimes i feel like at least as a dude guys will be like valentine's day movie it's not for me but i think this is good for whoever is watching it spoiler alert for our opinions at the end yeah <laughs> what's up with you <laughs> i've been okay it's fine yeah it is fine time is like this existential crisis yep and that's all it is all around <laughs> yeah. what do you have for creepy content i randomly decided to watch the happening last night honestly i wanted to watch piggy but i was doing other things and piggy is in another language so i would have to sit there and read subtitles you said that it was in Spain Spanish, but of the yeah. Castellan kind. I think that's what it's yeah. Called. I think that's what it's called, and I d could understand like every other word, but I was like, oh no, I actually have to pay attention. So I threw on the happening because I remember you saying that it reminded you so much of Bird Box, vice versa, and vice versa. So I gave it a shot. I was not a fan though. <laughs> you like Sandra better? I did. Mm. It could be the acting in this one. A lot of it did not work for me. I only think that I was against Bird Box because when watching it, everyone was like, well, greatest film on the planet. And yeah, I sound like a hater. But I was like, I mean, this is basically The Happening. And it's not like a wholly new concept. It felt like The Happening mixed with Quiet Place is what Bird Box felt like. Okay. Yeah, it had been a long time since I'd seen The Happening. So I agree. I think that Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel were not the best <laughs> acting choices. Not at this point in their careers, at least. Zoe Deschanel, I feel like, plays herself. She's one of those actresses. So does Mark Wahlberg. I feel like yeah. he's the same dude and everything he's in. Yeah. But other than that, I also watched this documentary. It's not new. I think it came out last year, but it just got released to Hulu. The Secrets of Playboy. It's so fucked up. It is. I only watched a little bit because you fell asleep with it on and I was trying to tell you about it the next day. You finally finished it, right? I did. And then I kept telling you all the horrible things that they said in that documentary. No spoilers for if you want to go check it out. Again, it came out last year, but it just became available. It's just fucked, man. That's all I can say. I haven't finished it either. But when you told me what happened and just all the really messed up stories, I went onto Twitter and I was like, so has anyone checked it out? Because from the sounds of it, it's basically a horror movie. A horror documentary. Yes. And it's really messed up because your real stories, obviously. Yeah. On that depressing note, what do you have for creepy content? So I had a lot of fun, actually. A few weeks ago, I was on with Anthony from Fuck You Hexed. We talked a lot about just different scary things. I think we had a grand old time and we could have been talking forever. It was probably one of the first times that he and I had like kind of left the conversation to our conscious streams. But we focused in on <laughs> the back rooms and brujeria. So it was a good time. Go check it out. Fuck You Hex is the name of his show. The rest of his show is also really good. You don't have to go because I'm there. I also played Prognostic. You're a cop who has a history with this like witch who helped cops in the past solve murders. And in order to find out what happened to her and the cop who was working with her, you have to step backwards in her path, but also use her magic to help ongoing murders. So while you're trying to solve the ongoing murders, the grandma is like haunting you. 
mm. and you have to try to solve the murder before she kills you. It's really fun. Yeah, I got through, I think, seven days. Seven and, days. <laughs> yeah. And there's still a lot to go, I think, so I didn't find out what's going on. The last one that I thought was really hard was I had to figure out someone's birthday using zodiac signs and fire signs and stuff. I told you it was really mm. complicated. I'm really bad at reading comprehension, as you know. <laughs> so I was sitting there like, wait, what? To these, like, three pages of instructions. It's too much. It's yeah. too much work. Well, in the end, I was like, oh, it has the birthday right here. I, I know. What How do you know what is. zodiac sign <laughs> they are? That's funny. I could have helped you with that probably. But as we know, I can't watch you play those like games because I get sick. Oh, well, if they're darker, I wonder if you would. If I just close my eyes. You know, reach into your witch psyche and just, you know, Read tap the into the game. If you uh, listen to the Brujeria part of Fuck You Hex, you'll know that I was saying that the internet and witchcraft are the same thing. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Vibes and auras are just waves. Like... Welcome to my TED Talk <laughs> about witchcraft, witchcraft Witch and Wi-Fi. <laughs> what do you have for comfort content? Nothing. No? No comfort. No comfort. What about you? I've found comfort in Ripley not having accidents. Anymore. Oh, you jinxed it. Damn it. You're right. Just have one thing. Vox Machina was suggested to us by one of our friends, Daryl. Shout out to Daryl. And it's like an animated and messed up version of what you would think is The Witcher and Lord of the Rings. It's created by Critical Role, which is like a D&D thing. I thought it was fun. It's really messed up. It's on Amazon Prime. So if you do have time to go watch fantasy stories and murder, go check it out. While we gather our fun facts, let's talk about this drink. I don't know if we said this when we recorded the episode, but happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day one week later. You could still celebrate love a week later. You have all the sex for all the days in the rest of the year until next Valentine's Day. <laughs> you could do whatever you want. <laughs> so I think I talked a little bit about how there is a special, the last drive-in special featuring this movie. And it, there's like a little joke about how they're making love potion number nine and it has a lot of in ingredients and increments of nine i think if i made that actual concoction into a drink it would be disgusting but i tried to get inspired from it so i'm still going to call this love potion number nine and it's kind of simple all you're going to do is make a syrup of one cup of strawberries one cup of sugar one cup of water add in a sprig of rosemary to give it an herb flavor and you are going to let that simmer once it's done, strain it, store it however you want. By the time it's time to make the cocktail, you are going to take one ounce of that syrup, one ounce of your favorite gin, mix that together, and you're going to pour it into a champagne flute and top it with, I would recommend a not sweet red wine because this syrup is going to be sweet. It was funny when we were making the drink video, I thought the syrup was the end. <laughs> you thought that was just the drink and you're like, um, why did you choose such a ginormous glass for where, it? Where is the rest of it? <laughs> I need it more alcohol, man. Love is fleeting and that's why this drink is just, so minimal. <laughs> just strong and small. <laughs> that's love. But do you want to try it? Yeah. Cheers. It's funny because the, the little syrup is sticking to the glass yeah yeah you should probably strain it twice if you don't like that i just meant it gives it like this glittery effect i thought about adding glitter to it that's good are that, you sincere no, it, no it's good it's um <laughs> it's a very unusual flavor yeah the flavors go well with each other in a very good way yeah again this is where you have to be careful with the wine you choose to pair it with not sponsored, but we went with a carnivore, which is our favorite. Yeah. I like that it has that aftertaste of like an herb flavor. Makes me think of, um, what's the character that drinks the hallucinogenic berries? Oh, Wayne. Wayne is probably what Wayne drank. 
Who do you give the rainbow to? <laughs> this is the dark and mysterious side. It, it really is. Maybe later we'll make the rainbow version of the dark and mysterious drink. I wish I had one of those giant goblets that she later gives another one of her victims to drink it out of. Of all the glasses we have in our pantry, we no don't have giant a goblet. giant goblet. No. Damn. <laughs> You know what we might have? I just didn't want to look for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's hidden away because it's so big. What would you rate this? I give it three love spells out of five. How about you? I am going to give it a 3.5 out of five. It is really good. It is very <laughs> riveting feedback from me as always. Yeah. It's very good with a capital O. Why capital O? <laughs> <laughs> If wine is your is your thing, yes, give it a shot. Give this to your loved ones so that they get put under your spell. That sounds non consensual. <laughs> Consensually ask your loved one if they want to be put under a love spell. There and you go. Give them this. Beautiful. Love that. Back to you. Past us. You got a segue to bring us back? No, we never do. If it works, let us know. <laughs> send your loved one who has a spell on them to send us a message. Sounds like they're going to sue us. If the spell worked, they don't even know they're under a spell. That's true. That's not good. So you ready to give me fun facts? I am. I only have two. Wow. The first one I have is that Anna Biller, who's obviously the director, created Elaine's character after reading some relationship self-help books. One book in particular, though, suggested that a woman should love a man more than a man loves her, which reminded her of the way women were portrayed in classic cinema, sometimes loving men to literal death. Hmm. I could see where that inspiration came in. Femme fatale ain't femme fatale for nothing. Definitely, I feel like she was inspired by the femme fatale era with Elaine. Plenty. It's kind of funny how the movie ends, too, and I feel like it really leans into the whole message of the movie, but also like the books that are out there suggesting all kinds of radical shit. For relationships. Yeah. I, I haven't read one. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> You've never read a book, though, that is like, hate yourself, love you, man. Twilight? <laughs> True, true, true. David Mullen had shot a film for Anna Biller in the past on a 16mm and was approached once more with the vision of bringing the classic cinematic feel to life in modern day. I read a whole snippet. It was actually kind of funny. It was from David Mullen on cinematography.com, like Reddit style, like a forum. Like, hey guys, I guess what I'm doing, I'm working on this film called The Love Witch for Anna Biller. And it's kind of cool because like back in the day, I filmed the 16 millimeter thing for her. And now she wants me to do this. And it's all this like cinema and photography speak. Like I shot it on a F2.8 shutter speed. It's probably all wrong. <laughs> but it's a whole thing. So if you are interested in finding out how David Mullen film this you can probably go find it on cinematographer.com he's got like three paragraphs worth of detail on how he filmed it point is that he ended up shooting this in the 35 millimeter which let him get closer to technicolor than anything else allegedly i'll take his word for it he could have possibly used visually you can tell that this film is very different from any modern film like again i think when i told you i want to cover this you're like oh is it that movie from the 70s i was like it's not <laughs> but it's shot to feel that very like dreamy quality technicolor which means that it worked right as someone who was looking at it from outside in it was so close to an old movie look that i was like oh yeah isn't it it's old? an old movie if this was done a different way they would have just put a filter on it and called it a day yeah anna biller like is incredibly involved with this movie this is i would probably say her like baby not only did she direct right she did like set design produce music like everything she did like she had a hand in so i actually recommend watching the joe bob briggs last drive-in special on this because he interviews the director and she gives insight into the movie and it's it's pretty fun are you stalling because 
I'm making you do the speed run again. No. <clears throat> Hold on. What happens in this game? All right. Ready? Go. Elaine is a person who's coming in from out of town. She has a mysterious past, but she shows up to town, introduces herself to all the other women. Turns out that witches are a natural thing in this community. There's an already existing witchcraft community that is protected, apparently. There's like these rules that are kind of openly spoken about. They're like, oh yeah, those are just the witches. Like They're just any other group that hangs out there. So little by little, we find out that Elaine has these powers that make whoever she wants fall in love with her. She kills this dude, Wayne, who's like, madly feeling for her there's uh, her neighbor's husband who also is like into her but he's more into the concept of her not actually into her then there's this cop who's square jawed and he's like yeah i'm here to save the day she also tries her magic on him doesn't work everything ends up tragically but not really for elaine more for everyone else and uh, it's just it's this real like push and pull thing of how she loves more the concept of power not men wow you had one second left yes did it was it good though did i do all right you spent like the first 20 seconds talking about the witch community (laughs) well because it's a pretty prominent piece in the film i thought you weren't gonna make it this is what's there and everything else kind of just follows it is a lot of world building i think it's also a long movie somewhat it is it is a two-hour film and would you say it lags at some point but isn't that what those old movies were like It, it is how those old movies felt i really enjoyed this movie yeah i wouldn't say i was bored at any point exactly it is beautiful and stunning and honestly you could throw it on if you don't like any single plot point in this movie just throw it on because it is just beautiful to look at Mm -hmm. and the music is good i even took a bath while i watched this that sounds weird given the vibe of this movie it's also very sexual and i was not doing anything i was just chilling anyway shall we get started yeah hit me with the love witch I'd like to say I tried to do the the blue eyeshadow. It's coming off very uh, navy blue in this camera. Would you like me to adjust the lighting? It's okay, but that's that's the goal of what I was going for here today. How cool would it be if I could like just switch this to look Technicolor like in the movie? We got to get a thirty-five millimeter. <laughs> Film. All right, I'll be back. <laughs> All right. We open on Elaine driving a red car down an open road. She has the coolest blue eyeshadow and is saying that she's starting a new life for herself. She reaches for another cigarette from her purse and out falls a tarot deck with the three of swords, triggering Elaine to have a flashback of a man being poisoned and saying, poor Jerry, explaining that she had a nervous breakdown when he left her. There's a really funny bit here from her therapist because she's like i'm all cured now my therapist says that everyone suffers some more than me (laughs) we talked a little bit about this but we kept saying this had like a lot of comedic elements oh the whole movie is pretty much a comedy at least for any part that doesn't involve murder (laughs) yeah i wouldn't call this exactly a horror comedy but there is definitely some funny parts into it this may just be because i recently have gotten into poppy but her voice is a lot like what poppy sounds like She's very sing-songy. Yeah. Apparently, the actress Samantha Robinson and Anna Biller like really worked close together to create the character of Elaine. They wanted to make her believable, and I feel like you could tell when a director and an actor are like on the same page. She doesn't miss a beat. I don't think that there's any time in the film where you disbelieve Elaine is a character from this era. I told you that it tricked me. She looks the part when she moves her hair and puts it on her. I was like, oh, so that's how they did it. I even learned some things. <laughs> I didn't know that that's how they made their hair look like that. It's definitely not the like early 2000s bump it that women used to wear. Do you, <laughs> yeah. do you remember that? Awful. Mm. Also, I feel like time in this movie is not exactly a factor because I don't think it's from the 70s. There's a point where Trish pulls out a cell phone. Okay, it's I was the ask only you. cell phone we ever see. Oh my see. God, I was going to ask you because I was prepping the bath when this scene happened and I was like, 
Sounds like you had a Wait, little did ritual. She just, <laughs> like, did she just pull the cell phone out? The yes. Phone? Wait, hold on. And I was going to ask, but I completely forgot. So I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of in limbo, this world. It's the one time you're kind of like pulled out of it. Like, oh, this is still modern times, possibly. Or is it all a dream? Definitely, Elaine is not the reliable narrator, I would say. Mm-hmm. I also mentioned the color of her car because this woman is decked out in red. She's doing the classic, like, driving, and then there's the moving background. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. yeah. Again, you're trying to catch the essence of this time. Of that time. So a police car pulls up behind her and pulls her over. She looks pretty nervous about this. The cop simply informs her that her taillight is out, and she looks pretty relieved. He lets her off with a warning, and she drives off. Fuck this cop. Mind your business. It's daytime. What do you mean my tail is out? You realize this is Griff, right? Griff. Who pulls her over. Oh, it's him? It's Griff. From the end? Yes. Oh. So... When she's like, I feel like I've seen you before. And he's like, me too. It's because he's pulled her over before. (laughs) I thought she was alluding to the painting. No. Well, yes, but that's part of it. They actually have seen each other before. Interesting. Also, Griff, he, like you mentioned in your speed run, very square jaw, like classic handsome dude, modeled for romance novel covers. Oh, no. That's how he got this role because he was just so like classically beautiful no shame to Gian keys but i do want to tell you that his acting style is exactly like the main guy from thanksgiving listen to his voice i even double took because i was like that sounds exactly like the football guy oh his acting is not good i think the point is that he's handsome (laughs) and it could be seen on as a commentary of like female characters in time they're just looks not not substance no personality yeah i will say that you need a probably second watch of this film because if you just watched it one time you would think oh this is like a stupid take on like women and how they should treat men or like i don't really know what this movie's trying to say it's clever it's all underlined like i hope we can get into it but there's like but so i keep getting in the way but like i keep idiot man no but i keep getting distracted i'm sweating which is apparently also fitting because all the lights they had to do for this film to shoot on 35 it was like hot yeah when you look at the pictures it's just a bunch of people standing over elaine on a bed and they're sweating <laughs> yeah. probably onto her Ooh glistening with other people's sweat stunning elaine's inner monologue is funny to me she talks about how when jerry left she studied everything possible on how to get your man back and that all the experts agree that men are very fragile and that you have to be tricky you cannot assert yourself in any other way or they get crushed egos are tiny elaine pulls up on a beautiful victorian home where trish the interior designer is giving her the keys to her new apartment the apartment is designed to be a very wicca design from the tarot card deck pretty cool looking apartment your friend was like this is her vibe and she was like that's weird as hell i didn't think you were gonna like it you were gonna want to leave and she's like no it's, this is it's totally my perfect vibe. trish is a funny character to me because every time she sees elaine and i mentioned this to you she's like oh my god you're really pretty oh i don't mean it that way i'm married it's <laughs> like trish nobody thought it was weird that you said that until you made it weird <laughs> hey trish and uh, elaine could be shipped don't think so. No. I don't think they have a good friendship or relationship. I mean, no, yeah. Elaine ends up screwing her over. Big time. Trish shows her around the apartment and Elaine asks her where she could grab a bite to eat. Trish informs her that she was just going to go get lunch at the tea room and if she'd like to join her. This tea room is beautiful. It is pink. It is glittery. Everyone is also dressed in pink, wearing tea hats. And yep, there's even a heart player in the background. Which never comes back into play, right? She just intensely stares at Elaine. I thought maybe she was a witch herself. I think she is a witch. 
Okay, but she doesn't come back later, though. She is in, like, the other tea room scenes, just kind of, like, watching. She's the one who's, like, hitting the big-ass when Elaine <laughs> looks at somebody. She's literally just scoring Elaine's life. She's just running around with a <laughs> harp everywhere. Could you imagine? Like, Fuck, she's going this way now. Yeah, I pay her to do this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Every time somebody dies, there's a harp in the room. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. The two women discuss how the room is like a fairy tale and how deep down all women want is a fairy tale and a prince charming. But Elaine admits that she doesn't think she's found her prince charming just yet and how she's been studying men ever since her ex-husband left her. Here's where we get her famous line. You gotta say it just like her. Oh, I don't know if I could say it. This was like a really popular TikTok sounder like a year or two ago. Now that's too much pressure. Oh, okay. <laughs> the day he left me was the day that I died, but then I was reborn as a witch. I, don't, I can't remember. Witch! Witch! Because she does say it so dramatically. I think that's like part of her charm as Elaine as she delivers things as dramatic as they are in her head. Mm. But she's like, the day he left me was the day that I died. But then I was reborn as a witch. <laughs> I don't think I did it right. I didn't do it justice. That was great. I believed you. <laughs> You're going to go do some love spells on me later? I don't have to. I already got this. I used sex to get what I wanted. Uh -oh. I'm not proud of it, though, is what Trish says. <laughs> I'm a virgin. I'm just here. <laughs> <laughs> the two women continue to have an interesting conversation about love, with Elaine believing you should give a man everything he wants to be his fantasy. But Trish believes she's been brainwashed by the patriarchy, asking her what about what women want. She tells Elaine that a husband is not a prince and life is not a fairy tale. Elaine's response? Maybe life would be more like a fairy tale if you pleased your husband more. Whoa, Elaine, we just met, dude. I know, she went straight <laughs> for the throat. I was like, damn, girl. She want us, you want some real tea? <laughs> Trish, if you, gave better, I was to say, if you gave better dick, your husband might love you more. If you started just pecking your husband. That might be what he wants, we don't know. Just then, Richard, Trish's husband, walks in. Elaine looks at him intensely while dramatic music plays. It seems like she's putting a spell on him as the two are introduced. Girl in the back's like going hard i did think that this was interesting because the dude just comes in and then trish is like what are you doing here and he's like i don't know i was just looking for you <laughs> <laughs> she's like men aren't allowed in here which is so interesting i don't know if places like this actually exist like all women tea rooms or something you just aren't looking hard enough babe you need Maybe. to find the neighborhood which is there is a neighborhood tea shop actually around here there is also like a uh, apothic shop hmm that we go into. I had to stop myself from going there after work today to buy a bunch of props for this movie. You should. And by that, I mean stuff I just want. You should ask them. See if there's like a community thing. There probably is, right? And then you'll be brought into the community pink tea room. Pink tea room. The secret tea room. Back in her apartment, Elaine is painting and creating spells. She is creating a love ritual and prays to a goddess, asking her to send her a beautiful, sweet man to love her. The next day, Elaine goes to sell her spell candles and soaps to a Wiccan store. This interaction is interesting to me the owner of the shop is very like stoic but like not a bad actress but i think she's kind of cool because she plays the don't ask don't tell role and she really does you know because right now she's just like yeah sure i'll sell it and then later the cops are just like so who gave you this and they're like uh this I lady <laughs> although i guess in that case she is a she snitch. snitched yeah i just like the kind of notion that there is an underground community of witches in this town and they're all supporting each other that's true in some way when she breaks for lunch she explains that people always ask her why she is a witch and she explains that witchcraft is not exactly what people think that it's just using your will to get what you want just then she turns her gaze on a professor talking to a young girl and he leaves her immediately to go over to talk to elaine i know we're getting that wayne 
his name is Wayne, mm-hmm. is under a spell. But the girlfriend is just like okay with him leaving her. So I don't know if she's his girlfriend so much as a Love student interest. he's banging because mm. that seems to be Wayne's vibe here. Gotcha. So I'll spare you the awkward flirting, but essentially Elaine invites herself over to the professor's cabin for a date. This man is also just willing to go off with a woman that he just met to his detriment. He's under her spell though, no? Isn't that the effect? I'll do what you want. I love you. Absolutely. But I do think that a man not under a spell would do this. True. I think it's the commentary of this film. Whether the magic works or not, this is very possible because a man, to Elaine's point earlier, is very simple. A lot of it is face value. None of it is deep. I felt like the roles kind of switched. Elaine was having trouble finding the love she was looking for. I felt like Elaine didn't want anything deep. She just wanted to feel powerful over these men. Men will, you know, use and abuse women and don't give a shit about, like, their feelings. Yeah, I definitely think this film can be viewed as, like, criticism on heterosexual man and woman romantic relationships. And I think even... To one of the points you made earlier, she says that witchcraft doesn't guarantee that I'll get what I want. I can only work with what's already there. So yeah, Wayne's interest in her was like probably already there and she just made it more intense. Yeah. Yeah, I got a cabin in the woods. Yeah, I'm down to die out in the middle of nowhere. Wayne is creepy. Mm. Every man in this is creepy. I read that. They pull up on the cabin. (laughs) Pull up. (laughs) No, that's not what they do. They pull up to the cabin and the professor doesn't even try to wait to get inside before putting the moves on her. It's like, dude, you drove all the way up there and was like, you want to just do it in the car? Oh, yeah. He's like, let's relive our young fantasies like we were kids. I was like, yo, yo, hold on. You want to rephrase that for a second? So to kind of put the brakes on him, Elaine hands him a flask and instructs him to drink it. She says, you want to be a kid? Let's do some underage drinking in the car. You know, it is very much a testament to just dudes being thirsty, right? Because Mm -hmm. she's like, drink it and he doesn't think twice like he's kind of like what's in it Mm -hmm. but he chugs all of it because she tells him to he doesn't think to be like do you want some it's very interesting because it feels like wayne thinks he's in control here and often when we see this situation it's usually the man doing these things to the woman but here is elaine pulling the strings on him so just he just drinks it once inside the two begin their date night the two talk and get to know each other and we learn that wayne has been drugged by elaine shocking (laughs) she gave him hallucinogenic herbs and vodka i wanted to know what hallucinogenic herbs is it mushrooms are mushrooms herbs he starts stripping balls. He really does. Elaine begins to do a strip tease, and I think this is her further putting him under a spell. I need a jacket like that. It's pretty stylish. The rainbow jacket on the inside. It is. It's so corny, too. <laughs> this scene. Because before, when the two are talking and getting to know each other, you know, we learn a little bit about Wayne being a professor. And you could tell he's impressed with the fact that Elaine knows a little bit about literature, which is what he teaches, which goes to show you what he thinks of women who are attractive. But after that exchange, Elaine's doing this strip tease for him and... He says such a cheesy line. He's like, you're all dark and mysterious, but that, the rainbow, who do you give that to? And she's <laughs> like, I give it to you and throws the jacket at him. I was like, this is really corny. I felt like I was on drugs watching this because I could not I think you're supposed to. understand what was going on either. Yeah, who is it for, Lane? <laughs> who is the rainbow for? Because while this is going on, there's like light flares and things going on. You, I think, are meant to feel like Wayne tripping. Now, 
<laughs> it's weird watching this movie because it's like, well, I'm a man as well. Oh, um, you know. <laughs> when he's like, you're so dark and mysterious and he's attracted to her dark and mysteriousness. We always see this. Think back to any screamo, hardcore metal, emo song music video. That you all know 2000s. and have in your psyche. It's like, oh, the emo girl's so hot. Fuck the girl wearing a headband and wearing pink and shit. That girl sucks. She's too boring. I love the emo girl. I'm in love with an emo <laughs> girl. I wonder what that means. I could tell you what it means. It's that anything feminine is inherently terrible and bad and therefore should be hated by all. You should not strive to be extremely feminine. You should try to adapt more to the male gaze. But it's very odd because then men love femininity to a... No, they don't love femininity. They love the female form. I have questions. Oh, <laughs> I could teach a class on this. Okay, you said that it's because people hate anything feminine. They do. I'm talking about my case because mm -hmm. I liked you because you were like a dark chick. I'm sorry, uh, you got no rainbow. Yeah. It's just more depression. Uh, you here. got more rainbow as we got older. Like oh, yeah. Giant pink chair. <laughs> I, I think that's unlearning um, internalized misogyny and the hate for what you were told is not good. That's where I'm confused. I believe you. I'm not like mm -hmm. debating it. Just trying to understand like, okay, if we hate femininity as men, mm -hmm. so liking the darker, more mysterious stuff is better as a result? Because I would think the opposite, right? Because you're not like other girls who are dumb mm -hmm. and like pink. Interesting. Because liking pink makes you dumb for some reason. Look at my chair. <laughs> yeah, I only have questions because like that thought didn't ever cross my mind. It was like, oh, because pink versus black. It was just kind of like cooler. In my mind, it was cooler. Right. And in your mind, you can't be both. You're right. And you're surprised by it. I was surprised because that's not your vibe. Because <laughs> you've never been like a pink everything person. No, yeah. There's a lot of things that I've been watching lately, especially with the rise now of what people call bimbo culture. You're told that pink things that are hyper feminine like it's bad look at anything that's trendy with women it is made fun of to shit you can't like it you're dumb for liking it this goes with anything twilight if girls start wearing flower crowns people fucking hate flower crowns like anything that's a trend with women pay attention to how it's perceived in media yeah yeah from the general public because i was you know me i'm not a trend follower you're a hipster i'm a hipster all those things I would always associate not with femininity, like the pink and all that stuff. I would always associate that stuff with white people. Interesting. That's another which is layer a weird to it. Yeah, because I would never picture like a Hispanic girl to any of those things. Controversial statement, but because we have different culture and vibes than like the pink, the super feminine trope that is out there. It also has to do with like minorities not getting the spotlight. Those things yeah. are seen that way because white people do that. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Multi-layered. Yeah. So Elaine begins to do a strip tease where we get that corny line. And I think this is her further putting him under her spell. The two make love and we get this trippy kaleidoscope shot of Elaine's face. And we mentioned this, but I wonder if that's what he's seeing now that he's on drugs. Mm -hmm. I think it's also another way to amplify the aesthetic of the era. It's supposed to make you think this is the 70s. And drugs, trippy sex, drugs, love. Yeah. After the act, Wayne immediately becomes a emotional saying his life has been so hard because he's only attracted to hot women who are dumb so hard wayne begins to cry because he believes elaine to be the perfect woman and he's never allowed himself to feel this way about another person he's also never allowed himself to feel elaine elaine i've never felt any emotions this strongly before and i think that is done on purpose it's like men are not allowed to feel. What would happen if a man was allowed to feel everything fully? He'd die. Yeah. I mean, we talk about this all the time that even amongst friends, I think that my friends 
to an extent are more open to like talking about how we feel and stuff like that but it isn't standard for a dude to tell another dude. i mean how many tiktoks do i make fun of to you that are like don't tell your girl your feelings tell your boys your feelings yeah go tell your boys who are gonna roast you how you feel yeah okay elaine says earlier like you know men are children and it's because men only ever emotionally felt fine around the only other woman around them which was their mother exactly. who they could tell their feelings to growing up which is funny because a uh, trend with elaine here is that she always comforts these men and she always always says poor baby like no matter what these men are saying she says poor baby and she sounds like she's really empathizing with them so this is what she's doing here with wayne comforting him but in the next scene we see elaine by herself downstairs as wayne screams her name over and over again from the bedroom elaine elaine where are you i hate it so much she lights up a cigarette and she thinks what a pussy i thought i found a real man <laughs> she's so upset she is funny she says no one ever comforted me when i was on my own she just goes to sleep downstairs leaving wayne up there with his entire crisis the next morning she fixes wayne something to eat but he is still not in the best mental state she leaves him to rest and goes to do a tarot reading the cards seem to read certain doom and upset by this she goes to check on wayne only to discover that he died because obviously if men open up and show their emotions they die it's hilarious yeah it's uh uh, inside wound once you let it all out like what are you gonna do you can't put that shit back in there i do think that this movie at this point leaves you in suspense like oh no is elaine in shock well elaine decides to send him off with a ritual that includes peeing into a jar and stuffing it with her used tampon i like one line that she says here men don't understand things they don't know about as she's putting the tampon. tampon yeah later there are detectives who are looking at the ritual piece and they're like what is that and they're like i don't yes. know yes <laughs> she says most men have never seen a tampon in their life and then the investigators are like what the fuck is that fucking thing <laughs> well i will say that i fell for it because i was like is that his tongue but then i realized that you know i'm not that dumb i'm not that have you seen a, a tampon expand i've bought you tampons before you've washed my tampons before i've bought your tampons before <laughs> no sir you don't reuse them i've bought your used tampons before <laughs> I'm, that's definitely a market. Oh, it is. But she does this so that a piece of her can be with Wayne forever. She sets off to bury his body, explaining that she doesn't really mind death, that she has buried people before, people she actually really cared about. So if it wasn't clear with all the flashbacks of her ex-husband, we are to guess that this is not her first murder rodeo. Although the flashbacks to Jerry leave me like, well, good for her because fuck that dude. Yeah, He was no. definitely terrible. She performs a sort of funeral and burns all her clothes over his grave. I assume to get rid of evidence, but also to be symbolic. She also like starts talking about, if I were to be reincarnated, I want to come back as a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Same though. Same. Yeah, a house cat though, not a poor baby feral cat. We cut to Elaine back in her apartment. She is painting a painting that will be very significant later when Trish knocks on the door. It seems that Trish is there to check in on her since she hasn't been able to reach her. Elaine informs her that she was busy with a man but that the relationship didn't really work out. Trish kind of is like, oh, well, maybe next time. I also just wanted to let you know that I'll be out of town for work. And Elaine immediately asks if Richard is going with her. Hmm. Little suspicious. Yep. I wanted to come in and like, wouldn't Trish be a little suspicious? But Trish is very trusting of Elaine. And I think that Elaine, yeah, screwed her over. Yeah, Elaine. I think if I told my friends, like, I'm literally just thinking if I told Brenda, yeah, I'm going on a business trip. The first thing she'd ask me is like, oh, is Eric going with you? But probably more out of, uh, oh, you're not going alone. <laughs> right, like a, for a safety. For yeah. like, like, is he going to accompany you? Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't like necessarily right here be like, oh, that's a weird question. I would because they're not great friends yet, but... 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess Trish has no reason to doubt her. Yet. But she remembered my husband's name, and that's suspicious. <laughs> that guy that lives in your house? Is he going with you? <laughs> we cut to a bar slash burlesque place where Elaine is catching up with Barbara. Barbara is mentioned earlier as being the one that owns the apartment that Elaine is actually staying in. She's telling her all about her ex-husband and Wayne. She explains that she used love magic on him, but it went horribly wrong. Clearly, Barbara's also a witch because she doesn't ask any questions. And she's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, damn, that's crazy. It'd be like that sometimes. People just be dying and shit. Magic on wrong, what can I say? <laughs> the two are met by Gan, who seems to be the priest of their coven. And you can tell he gives Elaine the ick, like, right away. He greets her by kissing her all over. I'm uncomfortable just watching this. He goes down and kisses a poopa. He kisses poopa. her stomach. I was going to say her womb. <laughs> And then he kisses her, her forehead titties. and it, yeah, her titties. She's like, you've gone too far when he tries to kiss her face. Yeah, it's again, gives you the ick. He kind of signifies the male gaze onto witchcraft as like witchcraft being this sexy thing yeah. with a bunch of women. And- it's like exploiting the sexual liberation to his benefit, right? Yes. He's like, yeah, I'm totally all for you being liberated as long as you're liberated all over me. Let's do some witchcraft and orgies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, witchcraft? What? he gives them both warnings against using love potions but then proposes a toast they chant their toasts and are told to go home which is by the locals it's like one particular guy who lives in this bar that keeps heckling them he ends up playing the town skeptic yeah instead they ignore him and discuss all the things that gan and barbara are teaching gan reveals that he is still teaching sex magic and it's clear elaine is not surprised by this and actually seems very grossed out by it. I get the vibe that um, he is abusing power in his teaching to sleep with young women mm-hmm. who are like seeking help and guidance in witchcraft. So that's like double fucked up. Another interpretation that I read was in the 70s, 80s, you know, because it was also like peace and love time, right? Everyone's just like doing drugs, having sex and stuff like that. It was seen as a way to like just use it as a staple and say like, yeah, we're doing witchcraft, but it wasn't really... For the sake of like what it actually meant to be pagan and mm-hmm. follow Wicca and things like that. It was kind of just yes. like face value. We do the rituals and it's uh-huh. all fun. We're all standing around a table. We have the sign of Baphomet and shit like that. But it's all just for show. Because he even mentions when the townie is heckling him. He's like, I remember when we used to not care if you were a Satanist, a Wiccan, a white witch. Everyone just stripped down and had orgies in front of the Baphomet posters. It's like... <laughs> okay dude <laughs> right <laughs> so he, he symbolizes that i like guess sentiment there were people who were definitely taking advantage yeah we see that a lot more later they are joined by two of his students star and moon as he teaches them about the power of dance while this is going on we see a burlesque dancer in the background we as an audience get a lovely lesson about love and sex magic we get interesting notes here in the conversation that seem to be the opposite of the conversation that Elaine has had with Trish earlier. They teach that witchcraft is just a result of people's fears and female sexuality and how by reclaiming their sexuality, they can unlock their full potential. But that ultimately that full potential is still to get men to love them through sex magic and having complete control of him. So this conversation almost feels like it's going somewhere like progressive and empowering, but then ends with like... For men. For men. It's all for men. So, you know, 
This next scene is odd to me. Well, just to, to go back to that scene. This entire like monologue on witchcraft and having control over women is then undercut with the dancer because later on these twin sisters are going to be performing their own dance because dancing for men gives you power. This is where I gather that like, oh, Elaine's hypnotizing these men when she's dancing because she's learned it from them. Mm. So this next scene is a little odd to me. We see Elaine laying around in lingerie, feeling on herself, which seems to be a scene that emulates masturbation. But while this is happening, we hear all these horrible things that her ex-husband has said to her and horrible things that her father has said to her. And then finally, we see Guyan teaching Elaine about sex magic through ritual. And it is clear in this flashback that Elaine is afraid and disgusted through the whole process. It feels like a sexual assault scene. I think it's something about him being the one that teaches it is like tainting it. Because why is... For all this female empowerment and things we have going on, the head of their coven, a man. Yeah, the Why? patriarchy taking over something that's supposed to be for women. Yes. Yeah. In the context yeah. of this film, because I know there is like people of all genders who practice witchcraft. I've wanted to, but... I got books I haven't read yet. Yeah, this flashback seems to really kill the mood for Elaine. But then we meet Griff. Technically, we already met him. He was the cop that pulled Elaine over at the start of the movie. Only now it seems that he's been promoted to sergeant. His first case seems to be brought to him by a Shelley, who is reporting Wayne, her professor, missing. She informs him that Wayne used to take dates up to his cabin in the woods, and Griff and his partner Steve, and Shelley, all go up to look for him. If your professor has a reputation for taking dates up to a cabin, like, fire him. I did think that it was weird that the student takes forever to go tell the cops. Well, it's two weeks, and it seems like she's kind of involved with him but like not really mm. so when is he it weird short of the class but she only cares because she's also fucking the professor and like right no other student they didn't have a crowd of students meaning that wayne was not that great of a teacher no i honestly if a professor of mine went missing for two weeks i'd say that's none of my fucking business honestly it's class canceled i don't even know what any of my professors looked like because i was never in class <laughs> so cool so, <laughs> so cool. cool for skipping on class that, that I you pay for, for. college is a joke and then <laughs> Then what happened? The group find the cabin just as Elaine left it. There is food all over the place. There is ingredients from her rituals. And finally, the witch jar that's buried in the yard with Wayne. The funny thing to me about this jar is that everyone smells it. Everyone smells the pee jar. Ugh. I don't know. Hold on. If they were the cops from Beast of Bray Road, they'd been like, it's pee. <laughs> Elaine didn't do a great job of covering up this crime scene because they still find pieces of her clothing and the jar there. Yeah, but Elaine is confident in her methodology. So. She wouldn't have left the jar there either if she was really trying to hide stuff. Yeah. yeah, in her mind, again, she's not a reliable narrator. She doesn't feel like she did anything wrong. Wayne died because he couldn't handle his emotions. And he had a heart attack. That's not my fault. I like this transition. Griff begins to dig up the body and we cut to Elaine having dinner with Richard. He's cutting a piece of chocolate cake as... Oh, it was a pretty cool cut, yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's cool? It's kind of a dirty I thought it was there. funny that he was um, digging up the body. Isn't there like a whole process for this? Don't you have to get like actual trained professionals in there? He's just like, let me take off my coat and start <laughs> digging. I thought the way she buries him was kind of cool too because she's straight up flexing all the <laughs> muscles to shove that dirt in there. That's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. That alone is reason not to do stuff like that. I gotta dispose of it afterwards. Ugh. She says she hopes she doesn't mind her calling as she gets lonely, and he confesses that he gets lonely when Trish is out of town. The two make themselves comfortable on the couch, and Elaine serves him a drink in the hugest goblet I've ever seen. <laughs> it's comical to see this grown man drinking like this fishbowl of a goblet. Tiny hand. <laughs> yeah. 
it's easy to tell that Richard is getting like more and more drunk as he's sipping from this giant goblet. I think we all know where this is going. Elaine starts to ask him about what turns him on. He says flying. <laughs> She's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Visibly, Elaine's face is like, flying? I've heard of porn, bondage, dressing up like a baby. But flying? Flying, though? <laughs> That's kind of weird. That's where I draw the line. Elaine has this way of talking to these men like they are children. Like everything they say, she's like, wow, it's fascinating. Like she's playing into their ultimate fantasy of what a woman should be. Yeah. What does a man want? A person who listens. A woman that thinks everything he says is fascinating. Elaine starts to perform a sexy dance and seduces him. When he asks who she is to make him act so crazy, she yells with glee, I am the love witch. I am your ultimate fantasy. She said it just like that, actually. <laughs> no. She did. She did. said it very... I am your ultimate fantasy. Yeah, and then they're like giggling like crazy. <laughs> we cut back to Griff, who is investigating Wayne's death. He goes to ask a professor who studies the occult what the meaning of the bottle he found was. The professor gives him a quick rundown on witchcraft and informs him that witches very much still exist today and are still practicing rituals. We then cut to Elaine and her coven performing rituals in the woods. <laughs> Interesting thing to note, Elaine and Guyan are the only ones dressed during rituals. The rest of the coven is completely naked. Yeah, men and women included. And they're made up of only white people, I also noticed. Yes, that is true. Just saying, where's this small town? There's no people of color. After the ritual, a party is taking place and Guyan is being a creep to Elaine, groping her and telling her that her love life isn't so dire unless, of course, you are her victim. She tenses and it seems that Guyan knows what she's been up to. He just literally gropes her boob and like is like, I'm not one of your victims. What a creep. She ditches him and goes to find Barbara. They chat and we learn that she's back in the dating pool. Seems Richard got too obsessive and morose and he became too much like a woman. So Elaine had broken it off with him. He didn't even want to make love anymore. Noticing a trend that when Elaine gets these men and they start to like expose actual feelings, she views it as a woman, too feminine and backs off. She calls the first guy a pussy. She mm -hmm. calls him a woman. Calls him a Pisces. She's falling into her own trap. Oh yeah, she's definitely um, someone who makes her own tragedy. We then see Richard drinking and crying in his study, and he looks rough. He keeps giving Trish the cold shoulder and drinking before erupting into full-on tears in plain sight of his wife. <laughs> He's not even trying to hide it. In front of his wife? At least have the decency to keep it a secret. No shame. He doesn't straight up tell her though, right? No, he doesn't. But he's weepy all the fucking time and doesn't want his wife near him. Yeah, because Trish later is like, I wanted to find the woman who did it. She knew. She yeah. knew something was going Again, he was not hiding it. We meet up with Griff again, who has traced the witch bottle back to the witchcraft spiritual shop that Elaine visited earlier. The owner of the store informs him that they sell witch bottles there and that Elaine is the one who supplies them. So Griff tracks down Elaine and shows up at her apartment. He begins to question her over the homicide of Wayne and she is very standoffish, not willing to help. She won't look at him when he talks to her, questioning her about the witch bottles she makes. She excuses herself as her ritual slash spell that she was working on starts to boil over and make a mess. Griff just asks her point blank if she is a witch and she replies yes asking if that's a crime, if that makes her evil or even capable of murder. Griff seems to be ashamed of his question and Elaine really leans into it, beginning to cry and explain 
that to her, witchcraft is her religion and helped her through some of the worst times in her life. The commentary on witchcraft here too is interesting because where other films will like prosecute people immediately for witchcraft, this one's like, yeah, witchcraft's just another thing. Which yeah. is interesting. We never mm -hmm. see this. At least rarely we do. Griff goes to comfort her. And when Elaine looks at him, his entire demeanor has changed. Again, she looks at him with a very close up on her eyes. <laughs> Harp girl in the back, running around, getting her background music going. I like how we're both like... <laughs> she run up the stairs. Like, oh shit, I didn't realize this was happening. The cops showed up out of nowhere. She texted her like, get your ass here now. <laughs> Suddenly, Elaine realizes that Griff looks familiar, but believes him to be the man in the cards, her fate. Griff doesn't seem to actually be listening to anything Elaine is saying because she's talking about like love and marriage. But all she mentions is that the man that she loves must love animals. And she's like, do you love animals, Griff? I really fucking do, actually. <laughs> I really do love animals. But his bit is also to like... Smolder. I don't think I have a strong enough chin to... Gin. Oh, God. You look like Popeye. <laughs> that is his like tough guy demeanor, though. I don't know what you're saying. Sounds like a lot of woman talk, but I'm into it. Griff invites her on a date to go horseback riding. There couldn't be a more fairy tale, picturesque first date. Like, come on, riding horses. He was like feeling himself now because he's on those romantic novel books. So That's what he he's does. in his element. <laughs> in his element. Yeah, why do romantic novels always have a dude on horse? They always have, uh, what's his name? That dude? Fabio. Uh, Fabio. Back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, the two are riding horses. I don't know exactly where they are. In Out in the mountains, probably. The Renaissance Fair. In the Renaissance Fair. Horseback riding school. They have what looks like the most fairy tale first date ever, horseback riding. The two start kissing and suddenly hear medieval music playing. This felt like they were in Wonderland, didn't it? It felt like they were in the Queen of the Cards' land. and Definitely. There was a jester and there's a bunch of other... Yeah, suddenly you just walk into this Renaissance Fair that you had no idea was going <laughs> on. Or did she? Because... Barbara and Guyan are the ones who have organized this Renaissance Fair. They greet Elaine and Griff, and he seems to be surprised by the fact that she knows them. They invite them to partake in their midsummer festival, and Elaine agrees, kissing Griff. The crowd finds this charming and asks the couple to participate in a mock wedding to honor the gods of love. We get a lovely little song before the mock wedding that seems to be a warning about the couple's future, if you pay attention to the lyrics. But then they whisk them away to be changed. The two are brought together at an altar and joined in matrimony. The two are then treated to a feast and are feeding each other while we're treated to their inner monologue. And it is a not treat. what you thought we were going to get. <laughs> No, I think this scene truly encompasses the stereotypes of what men and women seek in heterosexual relationships. So I think that the fact that they're getting married also has something to play in the way that the characters are shown. Up until this point, none of the relationships that she's had with these men have been anything outside of physical. We're just going to have sex. And in the case of Richard, maybe not even that. But the moment that marriage is thrown in, and this could have to do with like what Anna saw in those relationship self-help books was, what happened when I told you that I would tell men like, hey, I'm going to get married. Oh, good luck. When's the funeral? To women. Oh, amazing. When is it? Everything's yeah. positive. For a man, it's negative. Why does the magic not work on Griff? Marriage is thrown in. And mm -hmm. how do men see marriage as a, the end of their personality? He even freaks out when they're like, let's do a wedding. He's like, wedding? Yeah. And they're like, chill, chill, chill. It's, it's a mock wedding. So I don't think it's on accident that mm -hmm. marriage is thrown in and Griff is having this inner monologue that it's like, mm, no, you know, I don't love her. It starts to 
create turmoil within him that maybe before this moment didn't happen. And at this point, it's odd because he's the only one that's not under her spell fully. Like, she's done the whole gazing at him, putting him under her spell in that way, but she hasn't done her usual, like, drugging them in some sort of way or her seduction dance. He's the only one that she, we don't see, use sex magic on. But their inner monologue is kind of funny, if not sad. This scene is so lit beautifully. They're in wedding clothes. They're kissing each other. They're feeding each other food. And Griff literally says, I'm not in love because love is soft and you need guts in this business. He admits that he wants an heir and for that he would need a wife. But love is something else. He says men can get destroyed by something like that. It's like they're not even men anymore and he never wants to get like that. It's funny because he seems to mirror Elaine's sentiment that once these men fall in love with her, they become like... Pussies. Pussies. So he's like, when a man falls in love, he's not a man anymore. And I think that is why her fascination with him lasts longer than any other of her victims. And you know what I have to say to that, Griff? Cash me outside, man. (laughs) That's what he said to his partner later on. (laughs) Elaine, on the other hand, is ready to overlook any flaws a man has, (laughs) saying the more you learn about a man, the more you love him. Griff, however, states the exact opposite. He says... The more you know about a woman, the less you can feel for her. How at first she's a mysterious creature who fulfills your every fantasy. But after a while, it's hard to care. He claims that women know you're pulling away and they're trying to love you more until they suffocate you and you drown in estrogen. Am I drowning you in estrogen? I drowning you in estrogen. No, I feel like I drown you in estrogen. Because I'm always like, love me more, please love me. Love me, love me. I feel like that should be the theme song for this movie. Say that you love me. It is the next day and Griff is back on the job. Steve informs him that he has more info on Elaine, but Griff isn't interested. He tells Steve that the sheriff wants them to lay off the case, that he doesn't want them hassling the witches of the town as they're kind of like respected in a way. He just is kind of like, don't mess with them. They don't mess with us. And he's happy with believing that Wayne's death was caused by a heart attack. That makes it sound like the witches are a gang. They might be pulling some political strings or something. (laughs) Could be. The the witchcraft cartel. Love it. But Steve reveals that Elaine has somewhat of a sketchy past. Once her marriage fell apart, she joined a coven of witches in San Francisco. And together they owned a burlesque bar. That's not that sketchy, dude. (laughs) Here's where it is sketchy. Mysteriously, a lot of the coven turned up dead, along with Elaine's ex-husband, who was set to remarry. The police had reason to suspect Elaine, but couldn't prove anything. And Griff is satisfied by this answer, saying if this san francisco police cleared her that's good enough for him i want to know what happened to this coven i have a theory i think she murdered anyone that witnessed what gayan did to her the sex ritual the assault i would say except for gayan though well that would be too much heat you know since he's powerful i mean yeah but it's just my theory interesting and then killed her ex-husband she says that she had a psychotic break she became the scarlet witch could be she's always in red so yeah yeah i cannot this podcast so go look up the actual images this character has style style in a way that i would find exhausting i don't know how to match any clothes together (laughs) she is a woman that's like always matching things and the director noted that that was on purpose and later she has a conversation with griff as to why this might be but again describing this movie isn't doing this movie justice you have to visually see it i also want to understand what the bit was for griff to be so standoffish like we've already kind of touched on that marriage and things like that kind of shut him down is this also a metaphor that like once men are married they turn into this like very bitter like i don't really give a shit fuck it i don't care no i actually think that despite what he 
says, I think he is falling in love with Elaine because he defends her. Steve calls Griff crazy, saying that Elaine is clearly dangerous, but that he can't see it because he's in love with her. This offends Griff so much that he punches Steve in the face before storming out of the police department. Love? Yeah, the word love is what triggers him because it's like he doesn't want to admit it. Because babe, it makes him love soft. makes you soft. We then check back in on Trish, who at this point in the movie I had completely forgotten about. <laughs> so much happens. But she seems to be having a really hard time. She hears running water coming from somewhere in the house and realizes that Richard has locked himself in the bathroom. In a panic, Trish bursts in only to find that Richard has unalived himself in the tub. That's how she does it. Yeah, not surprised. Uh, Richard was really going through it. And obviously we learned that all of Elaine's partners end up dead one way or another. Richard was such an odd case, wasn't he? Because he kind of yes. wasn't into it, but was... Oh, he was into it. So into it, but, but He like was not... too into it. <laughs> yeah, not in the traditional sense. Because even Elaine's like, he wasn't really into me. He was kind of just into the idea of me. Yeah, I think Trish says that later as well, which I got opinions on. Seeking comfort. We don't know how much time has passed between that scene and the next scene, but Trish reaches out to Elaine and the two meet for lunch in the tea room. Trish confesses that she knew Richard was having an affair and that she also knew she would never be the type of woman Richard wanted, which is so incredibly shitty. Why marry someone when you know like, oh, they're not the type of person I want, but settle for them. This is why people got divorced so much back in the day. Yeah, so I was going to say is that isn't that reminiscent to everything that people say? It's yeah. like, oh, I ended up just marrying whoever I could find, especially in small towns. In small towns, you kind of just marry who's nearby. Yeah. She explains that she was so angry and wanted to kill them both, but now now she knows she should have helped him get over her. Goes to show how genuine and nice Trish is. Because I think that's what she has been this entire film is seen as this like... Actually, it's funny, right? We were talking about earlier how pink and things like that are seen as like the feminine mm -hmm. thing. I would say that Trish is shown in this like very vibrant pink color mm -hmm. often as the symbol of light in this very dark story. And it's very telling of her. She would have helped him rather than be vengeful like Elaine. I agree with that. I don't think that she's a perfect character she has like this weird judgment fascination with elaine to be honest i wouldn't be surprised if like trish is closeted because all the comments she makes about her are weird and then all the comments she makes about her husband are a little off too hmm. maybe not closeted but maybe she's bisexual but she's not a perfect saint like character to me in this film i don't think anyone is i think hmm. everyone has a little bit of fault in this like the first scene that she meets Elaine and Elaine's like, I used to be a dancer. She looks her up like, mm, trash. trash. <laughs> I think that a lot of movies will portray a person like Trish and say, well, I wish that I was like you, but I'm not that crazy. You know, I have buttons and tees and everything. Yeah. But I really wish I could be like you. It's kind of like this. I support you, but I would never do any of that myself personality. Yeah. It's kind of like she envies Elaine's confidence in her sexual power right because she says at the beginning she's like i'm not proud that i use sex to get a ring it's like nobody cares dude elaine is being terrible and barely comforts her when trish asks her what's going on in her life she gushes about how she's in love and sure that her new man will pop the question anytime even showing trish the promise ring he gave her trish comments on how it's ironic that the first time they were there elaine was alone and she had a man and now it's the opposite this is sad it's a really weird thing to talk about with your friend wow that's so fucking funny that uh my shit's 
going to hell and yours is actually kind of thriving yeah that's cool she's really hurting and yeah. elaine's like in the best spot of her life right now that sucks but but listen let me tell you how great my life is going oh unsurmountable tragedy no 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 <laughs> elaine abruptly says that she has to go after she says this and hugs trish goodbye trish realizes that elaine left her ring with her and calls her to inform her that she's gonna drop it off at her apartment again the first time you see a cell phone in this film <laughs> i did this because i forgot that like gen z does this now for phones. Do this yeah i hold my phone like this still really i mean yeah but you didn't used to hold old old phones like this i mean yeah you would you ever had uh like the hang-up phones i would always go like this oh god i think i would hold like the thing like like this like yeah, I guess like so. Interesting. Trish goes to leave the ring in Elaine's apartment and notices all the odd sex ritual drawings and relics Elaine has laying around. Weren't they already all there, though? Some of the ones that, like, with her boobs out by the door, that was already there when she moved in. Some of them look like sketches that Elaine herself has done. You know, Trish was the interior designer, so maybe she was like, this wasn't here before. Mm. She finds them a bit odd, but goes to leave the ring in Elaine's room. And this next scene is weird. Trish notices all of Elaine's makeup and decides that she needs to start trying it on. She starts doing her makeup exactly like Elaine and even puts on her wig. Although Trish has apparently seemed accepting of Elaine's ways and her witchcraft and things like that. If she was accepting, she would think nothing of the artwork that's around mm. the apartment, right? But why would she think any of it's odd if she knows like she practices witchcraft? It doesn't really matter. I'm just going to go in and put her ring down and then leave. But she goes in there and is like, oh, this is so weird. What the hell? And then starts putting her stuff on, trying her things on trying to make herself look like elaine it's like i first of all hate that i don't look like you and i can't be as free as you mm -hmm. which is like what people used to think of witchcraft too yeah that absolutely it was like freedom but also because i hate that i can't be like you i also don't trust you and i don't truthfully agree with the things you do i think it is the envy that's making her distrust and judge her because you know we hate what we don't understand and clearly she's got some like unresolved feelings towards elaine wanting to be like her because she doesn't stop at her makeup and her wigs which is one thing okay i'll excuse you trying on your friend's makeup fine but then she goes through elaine's things and finds her lingerie and puts it on that's weird she seems Seems to be feeling herself when she notices a collection of photos that include her husband Richard sitting on Elaine's vanity. Searching through her things again, she finds the love spell that she put on Richard along with all the love letters they exchanged. She begins to cry and hasn't noticed that Elaine has entered the bedroom and grabbed a weapon. She has the uh, Elvira belt knife. I think they're letter openers, like really fancy letter. I could be wrong. It was a really big knife. We need one. Just dramatically opened my mail like that. Elaine goes to attack Trish, but Trish spots her in the reflection of the mirror and grabs the weapon out of her hand. We then see the laziest fight I've ever seen. And it seems like the two actresses did not want to hurt each other while filming this. <laughs> Elaine politely grabs her wig back. And after a bit of name calling and slapping and wrestling Elaine to the bed, Trish grabs the love letters and tells Elaine that she will burn for this. Get it? Because she's a witch. Distraught. Elaine tries to cast a spell on Trish, causing her to crash and die before she reaches the police. It seems like the situation is so dire that she calls an emergency meeting of her coven to bless her and bind her to Griff no matter what is going to happen next. So at the end of the day, she still just cares about having Griff's love. There is a lot of awkward pauses and beats while we wait for the actors to move to their next spot like so. their next cue or, or mark well that's what makes it campy i think it is because there's some times where i'm like oh why is there silence or why is it taking so long for this scene it's because we're waiting for them to walk around the table go here Ding! and then it's yeah. camera zoom and this fight 
sequence, I feel like, was a big example of that. <laughs> you could see them kind of laughing under their breath and stuff. I don't know about laughing, but more like... I saw it on Elaine's face. You think so? A little bit. Again, it's full camp. Yeah. Griff is then waiting for Elaine in the burlesque bar. He is listening to the locals talk crap about the new dancers, who are the witches we saw earlier, Star and Moon, and comment about the teacher who was found buried in the woods with a bunch of witch stuff on his grave. The locals are just talking shit. They do not want these women here. It turns this whole movie into a classic, the witches must burn, and these are the townspeople. Yes. At the local pub, the local watering hole, if you will. That is a fancy local watering hole with burlesque dancers. I feel like most local bars are not this fancy. Give me a, uh, give me a bloody, what is it, a fucking Campari soda, if you will. A dive bar can't give me a Campari soda. Let's test this theory. Can I have a Campari soda? At a dive bar? Yeah. Mm. We should call your American Werewolf in London next. Can I get the menu at the local dive bar, please? I want to see what signature cocktails you have at this shithole. You are a hipster. <laughs> Witchcraft and wizardry. It's a bourbon with a smoky hint of aioli. I thought you were going to say areolis because it's a titty <laughs> bar. Yes. It is themed after all. Elaine finally arrives and it's clear Griff is not happy to see her. He informs her that he knows about her connection to Wayne and that Trish came by the station and claimed that Elaine drove her husband to suicide. Elaine explains that she didn't kill anyone. Wayne died of heart failure after a night of beautiful lovemaking and Richard loved her so much it drove him insane. So this is interesting because there is a case of this, right? It was all over the news a couple years ago. A young woman like told her boyfriend to just commit suicide and he did and they were trying to find her guilty of that so i feel like that kind of falls in this of like how responsible is she that case like i think she was found guilty if i remember correctly is it because it was what is it called secondary or third degree manslaughter or whatever it is because you had like a accidental maybe yeah but it's first of all an empowering scene because elaine is like what what are you gonna do like take me down when i didn't do anything there's no blood on my hands technically she's right yeah it also brings the question whether the magic actually happens or not right this could totally happen she's not wrong and griff is left there being like i mean look honey i'm just you know lying to the crowd because i have to because i'm the cop i have to have an unbiased take no i think he's genuinely mad at her it's it's all Well, it's hard to uh, convict her for two men dying on their own, essentially. Yeah, it's the question of how much is she at fault, right? Well, like what would happen if this happened for you were dating and your ex-boyfriend died from a heart attack while you were doing it? All right, move on to the next one. And the next one loves you so much, but you guys break up. You go mind your damn business. You move on. That ex-boyfriend unlives himself. That's why, with you. that's why I brought up that case, because I think moving forward, we're going to see more cases like it. I think it's the first of its kind where someone's suicide is then tried as a murder as someone else's fault. I think that is a heavy topic. I don't have enough information to talk about. And it'll just be interesting to see how that case affects other cases moving forward. Griff says, are you saying that these men died of love? How could they? Men don't believe in love. He explains that she will never have enough love. Even when a man loves her so much, it kills him. It won't be enough for her. And he's right. He finishes by saying that he doesn't love her and that her creepy, sexy act won't work on him. I thought it was such a funny phrasing. (laughs) Because he mentions how she like dolls up 
to get men to fall in love with her and yada 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 i was like what if she just dresses up for herself dude? i don't know yeah i was gonna say that seems very resonant with how people are like you do it for, for male men. attention yeah he's assuming that much mm-hmm. but elaine isn't phased by this she says many women are like her needing love and that men like him punish women by withholding it never really loving them for who they are she explains that men often toss her aside until they want her body so why not find power in witchcraft 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 so why not find power in witchcraft and take control over it and sex and love i find her point really interesting here and again i feel like elaine's a very contradictory person like she wants to buy into the love narrative but she also realizes that sex and love are like sometimes the only way a woman can hold power any interaction between her and Griff, I feel, are so different from any interactions she's had with any other men. Well, because the other dudes are superficial and they're like, we just want you. And he's leaning into what we assume men do. Right. It, he's like unattainable. So then she wants him more and doesn't dispose of him as quickly. Like they're both flawed people in their pursuits. So when people are like, oh, this film can be seen as like anti-feminist because of the things that elaine is saying but pay attention to what she's saying and what she does i I don't think it is i think she's trying to con a system that does not work for women historically and people keep trying to then assert power over her like you said with gaia and trying to control her sexuality still at the end of the day in something that she feels like she has found control in finally she feels powerful in having this control whether sex and love are involved or not Mm -hmm. another thing that i would like to say is like people can criticize elaine because they're like oh for all her power ultimately all that she wants is the love of a man and i will say so what that's how she finds power and happiness like that's what she wants i think it's not cool to tell people what they should and shouldn't want like i believe my own opinion real feminism is letting women pursue what they truly want if that's to be the ceo or if that's to be the wife it's none of your fucking business just let people find happiness their own way a lot of people get hate for deciding to go one way or the other if it doesn't fit someone's perception and it's Mm -hmm. not that black and white there's a lot of gray and Mm -hmm. again it's like whatever your decision is whatever your path is if that's what you want to do that's where the positivity and encouragement should lie so to your point with elaine if elaine's end goal is she wants to be with this man then let elaine do her now i don't agree with her harming people that's where my support ends (laughs) you shouldn't harm people to get what you want but ultimately if we're talking message of the movie it's like that's what she wants that's what she wants Griff just restates that it won't work this time and that he is going to have to arrest her. And he's arresting her on tempering with Wayne's body, not even the actual death of these two men. The locals overhear this and quickly turn on her, stating, burn the witch. The crowd separates the two and start trying to sexually assault Elaine. Graphically, it seems like multiple people in the bar are trying to assault her. But isn't this a sign of like what we saw in the past? Men who who couldn't have that sex symbol of a woman were actually angry that they couldn't oh, absolutely. be with her. So they yeah. were like, well, how do I let this go? Oh, I have to attack her. Yeah. This woman has autonomy and is deciding what she does and doesn't want. I am going to harm her. And that's the message of witchcraft. That's the witch trials. Women were trying to do things that didn't go with what society believed and they 
harm them. So the part that really like bothers me is that the waitresses, other women in the bar are also cheering them on as they're about to do this. Same with yeah. There were women who were also like, witch. She could read. Yeah, Whore. basically. Yeah. <laughs> She's reading so that men could love her more. Griff is able to get to her before the situation gets much, much worse, even though it's already pretty bad, and escorts Elaine to the cop car. The entire bar is fighting him the entire time. It's kind of funny because in this moment, he's still the, like, hero. Despite everything he just said to Elaine, he's like throwing punches at everyone and is still able to save her. Interestingly enough, he takes her back to her home instead of the police department. So I, I kind of still get the vibe that he has feelings for her. He's just like, incredibly mad at her. Elaine takes this opportunity to try and do her usual love rituals on him, calling him a poor baby and fixing him a drink. But true to his word, Griff doesn't fall for it. He throws the drink. She fixes him and looks at her with such anger that Elaine can't take it. His face even turns into all her like ex-lovers and eventually into a skull. She turns to her vanity and sees Griff just laying in her bed. Suddenly, she turns and stabs him right through the heart while looking at a painting she created earlier that depicts that exact scene. A woman stabbing a man and pulling his heart out. In her mind, she sees Griff alive, saying he loves her and wants to marry her. And suddenly, they're back on their first date at the Renaissance Fair. Only this time, it's really eerie as there is no music. Griff dies next to her as in her fantasy, the two ride off into the sunset happily ever after. What does it mean? I think it means that Elaine has suffered another psychotic break. But ultimately that she will never be happy and she will never be satisfied. She will never be satisfied. Yeah. She's looking for a man that work, work. She's just looking for a man. I was like, why does she kill him though? Just a psychotic break, that's it? I think she realizes that all her usual rituals and power that she finds through witchcraft isn't going to work on Griff and ultimately Griff represents like the men that have harmed her because like her ex-husband seemed to be abusive her father seemed to be abusive so I don't know if it's her realizing that she is seeking out these men continually or she's just you know tired of it she's tried this three other times and it hasn't worked for her ultimately probably the rejection of her and not loving her is what causes her to kill him she gains power through their love she feels feels like her true self when she has power over these people and when he doesn't respond to her power she feels weak it could be kill him. yeah i didn't realize it was that simple that's why i was like what does it mean though <laughs> i think there's a lot of ways you can interpret it i am not the smartest person out there to interpret this i think it's interesting that griff is the only one she actually kills with her intention now is it saying that the person you truly love you ultimately will harm that could be it and the person who harms you, you the most also harms you mm -hmm. yep. there's a lot of ways you could look at this and that love hurts. I was going to sing it. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to sing it, but I was like, can I do that? Yeah, we sing a lot of songs and then cut them because we don't I don't know. know. But yeah, that's The Love Witch. What do you think? I think it's a good movie. I think it's a good commentary on the relationships between men and women. I think it's pretty cool the way that it interprets how witchcraft is seen in modern day. To your point earlier too, it, it generalizes a lot of things, mm -hmm. right? It does still kind of go back and I understand the anti-feminist views of it kind of still going back to her wanting the man. What about you? I really enjoy this film. I mentioned at the beginning that I had wanted to cover it since like last Valentine's Day. It is visually fun. You could throw it on if you've already seen it and you don't want to pay attention to it and just enjoy the like camera work, the scenes, the setup, the colors, because there is a lot of vibrant use of color. It reminds me a little bit of Suspiria in that sense where with the dramatic settings. I think you should enjoy this 
if you realize that no one in this film is in the right. Like, Elaine's probably not the most reliable narrator. Griff is not the most reliable. Trish, like, no one's innocent in this world. And I think it is a film that you should give a couple tries to because uh, you, again, just watch it the first time and think like, well, this is a really anti-feminist movie. Like, she's just, you know, playing into everything that the patriarchy says should be about relationships. There's like little lines and visual gags and like quirks that you should pay attention to where it's like, that's actually not what the director believes or Elaine believes. Elaine has an evolution too throughout the movie, right? She starts off very heavy set into, I should do things that men want me to do. And at the end, that's definitely not her story. That's not what she does. Yeah. Yeah. So... I could see how this film's not for everyone. It's a two-hour runtime. It can seem a little heavy at times. I, however, really enjoy it. And I would give it a 9 out of 10. Hmm. I would give it an 8.5. Just for the immersiveness, too, on top of it. Like, the story's good. I don't think it was boring. But I think the feat of putting us in a movie that's not of the 70s and 80s and being able to successfully trick my ass into thinking it was one (laughs) until they whipped out a cell phone yeah i think everyone should watch it at least once i also understand that it's not like heavy in horror context it's it feels more like of a psychological thriller to me femme fatale film yeah a little bit of midsummer a little bit of midsummer a little bit of dead bodies just mix it all up should we talk about what scared loki this week runs in with a harp i don't know what loki would do he's never actually seen an instrument live maybe i should go Mm. get my guitar oh yeah you should play some music to him and see what he does i've always wondered because we lived at the condo and at least i felt too embarrassed to try to play music do you want to tell us about it loki we can't play any actual music do you prefer that loki boring (laughs) it's a beautiful sound (laughs) the next time that we get on this i'm gonna have loki playing just straight up riffs on tiktok you know that's gonna be an electric harp (laughs) nice yep just wait i have to buy a harp first though how much do those things cost i'm sure they're not cheap they're massive the range is three hundred dollars to more than two hundred thousand dollars so obviously we're getting the two hundred thousand dollars yeah we need the best and the for only, the bit the only kind for the bit. but does that pretty much wrap it up for us here it does oh is that another shirt you got there yeah it's the what's your least adam's family shirt that's on our website now so if you want to get the gist of the family we got elvira we got loki we got me and bb ripley wasn't here yet when this happened but thanks to our friends over on what's your least favorite scary movie they did some artwork shared it with us go support them go check out their show they're amazing love those people they're so fun travis and jess shout out to you guys and hope that talia is feeling better yeah go check out the website our new merch is there bb's got a shirt she just didn't wear it because she wanted to feel witchy instead i do not have the outfits that elaine does though let's get you some i did see some pants that looked like the hippie outfit she's wearing at Target the other day. So if you want a pair of those, they're at Target. Support our show so that Vivi could get the Elaine outfits. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> I do not give the rainbow to anyone. 200 shirts. We may have enough bunnies <laughs> by Vivi's pants. One person needs 200 shirts. Yeah. But as always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You could follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter, Twitter Shaken Scared Pod. You could send us an email at shakennotscaredpod at gmail.com. Support the show on Patreon. You can get bonus episodes every month. Goosebumps. We just recently started watching the TV show. We're going to be posting those all year, probably. We're also planning on tackling Are You Afraid of the Dark, Tales from the Crypt, any other show really that we could think of, but also movies if our patrons suggest it. Go check it out. Make sure to join the Discord. Listen where you get your podcasts. Give us a follow. Check out our drink videos. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, comment, like. Oh. Okay, thanks. Bye.